The following audio is from Grace Fellowship of Westerville. More information about the church is available at www.gracefcwesterville.org. Jesus steps a little deeper, just almost out of nowhere. He comes up with this verse and inserts it in and says, By the way, if you really love me, I mean, if you really love me, you will keep my commandments. So we come to the glue that binds these truths together. The condition that we now look at is this condition that leads us to doing the greater works than Jesus. That is the condition of obedience to the Lord. Now, I want to note that obedience and love are not only conditions of our doing greater works for Jesus. They are also conditions for the exercise of effectual prayer. Mentioned just just a few verses after that. And in these verses, Jesus had expressed these conditions of effectual prayer as being prayer in Jesus' name. Understanding the mind of Christ, knowing that as you pray, you are literally praying what Jesus would pray. And as we absorb this and understand more about Jesus... It's as though he elaborates a little deeper on these truths. And now he brings it to the point of, if you believe me, or if you love me, rather, you will obey my commandments. Now, John later on says in his first letter to the churches in Asia, 1 John three twenty-two, And whatever we ask, we receive of him. Because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. So when you got up this morning, did it ever cross your mind that you have a day now that you can bring glory to God? Does it ever cross our mind as Christians as we go through our days, the reality and the truth that this is the day God has given me? What can I do to obey him? bring glory to him. I'm sure you're like most Christians and most people in the world today. We're so busy with life, jobs and kids and careers and school. And I mean, it's just, we're overloaded. And to even think about praying is, is a tough thing. But Jesus is constantly taking these people. And if you recall where we are in the story right now, the, the disciples are distraught because they have devoted over three years to this man. They have bought his message. They have accepted him. They have surrendered to him. They've walked away from their careers, their families, everything. They are sold out. And now they've just been told he's leaving. And that's tough to grasp. And so Jesus gives them all these truths to encourage them, but then he brings this idea in of this love. So the first question you and I have to ask, we've got to be, dramatically honest with ourselves. Do I really love Jesus? This truth is important because it strikes at once at the provision of the Christian faith, or rather the perversion of the Christian faith, that old truths are no longer valid because of grace. This is seen in in how some contrast law and grace in a way that eliminates the value of law entirely. 
Therefore, in the name of grace, the God of grace, who is also the God of holiness and justice, we eliminate all that part and just try to bask in grace. People are taught today in many circles that law is the enemy of grace, that God, the God of Sinai, is a stern God, and that the only ethical guide for today is love. And because of this, we find today an almost anything goes Christianity, just as long as I don't bother anyone else. Now, for sure, salvation is not by works. It's 100% by grace. You and I can't earn it. We can't be so good to get it. It's all by God's grace illuminating our hearts. And at this point, law and grace are on opposite ends. The book of Galatians is a, is a, uh, a commanding witness to this fact. We agree that the proper way to live the Christian life is not by a list of rules or do's or don'ts or things like that. I like to call that um, uh, moralistic deism, where we take conduct and elevate it to the area of, of uh, theology or doctrine. But love must be at the basis of all law. It's the very heart of our Christian ethic. But having said this, we must immediately go on to add that any love that does not ex- express itself in conformity to the commands of Christ is not the kind of love he's talking about. A number of years ago, when the so-called new morality was at its height, many theological people got together and had a, a big conference in one of the uh, popular Eastern seminaries. And they began to discuss this whole thing about the new morality. And the discussion centered around the value of being free from rules and regulations, even those taught by the Bible. But there must be guidelines, someone yelled. And so they debated that. And all through their debates, they kept coming back to this idea that anything that flowed from love was the guideline. They began to notice that one pastor in the corner became increasingly quiet. And as time went on, he said nothing at all. And noticing in this, they, they looked to him and they said, well, well, what do you think? Don't you believe love is the, is the end of everything that we just need to love? And this pastor quietly uttered our verse this morning. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Love without obedience is not true love. Love and obedience go hand in hand. And this is what they were were debating here. So as the man said this, he was right. Love may be a valuable guideline, but only if it is love in conformity with the love of God and therefore also in conformity with the commandments of God. Remember, Jesus said, I have not come to eliminate the law, but to fulfill it. And you see that love and obedience are literally opposite sides of the same coin. Quite often, the reason we struggle in our Christian walk can be traced back to our love of God. Do I love God enough to walk with Him? Do I love Him enough to walk with Him every day in obedience? Um, My brother-in-law, we talked about this in, in great length. I have the utmost respect for him. He's an amazing guy, um, wonderful Christian man, but he went through a period of time in his life that he was, he was trapped with addiction. And we talked about this at great length, and, and he said that this very verse was the verse that shattered his life. 
because he came to the realization that he just didn't love God. I mean, he'd been a Christian for years, part of Bible studies, church attender. But what he wanted was what God was offering. Salvation, getting my needs met, tell, giving me what I need to get through life. But what he really loved was his own pleasure and self-gratification and everything that went with it. And he told me, he said, this single verse absolutely crippled him. And I wonder this morning with all of you sitting here, if there's anyone here who confronted straight on would have to say, you know, you don't love God. Now that seems like a horrifying thing to say. Of course we love God, right? We sang about it, beautiful words this morning in those songs. We, we embrace them. But when it comes right down to ordering our private world and ordering the steps of our day, do they hinge completely on our love for God? And so this question about do I love God is not something we can take lightly. It's very, very serious. So if we keep his commands, we love him. Now, there are for sure many who would try to keep his commands in a legalistic way, trying to earn their way to salvation, and we're not talking about that at all. But, but listen to a couple of verses. John 14, verse 21, just a few verses ahead of where we are. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved of my Father. Now get this. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. That is, Jesus will be actively involved in your everyday life. Now the word manifest literally means a uh, clear or obvious to the eye or mind. Listen to some of these synonyms for the, for the word manifest. Obvious, clear, plain, evident, distinct, definite, explicit, transparent, unmistakable, recognizable. That's what manifest means. In other words, when you and I truly love God with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, He manifests Himself in our lives. And all those fuzzy things of life become clear. The manifestation of Jesus Christ in our life is clarity. It's guidance. It's how the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. It's how the Holy Spirit works in our lives to give us understanding that we don't have. And so obedience to the Spirit and allowing the Spirit to live through me is great clarity. 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 and 5. And by this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. Verse 5. But whoever keeps His word, in Him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in Him. So the proof that you and I are truly born again is the desire within our heart to obey him and please him. Salvation is not a one-way street. Repentance means turning from something towards something else. That's what repentance means. When I accept Christ, I turn away from a sinful life to the life of Christ. 
and therein is my love perfected. Then Christ manifests himself in my everyday life, and we walk hand in hand. But, but how does this happen? How, how do we know? How can we be assured by obedience that we really are Christ's own? Well, the answer is in the nature, nature of man. Because in their natural state, men and women are rebelling against God. Consequently, it is within them to want to, it is not within them to want to obey God. But when you accept Christ as Savior, you begin to have the Christ-like feelings in your heart. You begin to have the leading of the Spirit. And you and I can know for sure of our salvation when our desires change to wanting to obey Him and walk with Him. So take heart, Christian, and be assured that God's saving work in your life is real when you understand your desire for Him. Also to be sure that this doesn't mean that you are without sin at all. We're not talking about sinless perfection here. In fact, 1 John 1.8 says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So this desire to serve Him, how is this manifested? How does it come from God putting it in our hearts to walk with him and our manifesting it? Well, I think one key way is in sharing the love and sharing the love. Verse 15 again, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So what does he command, we may ask? Well, we are immediately led back to the greatest commandment next to loving God first, and that is found in John 13, 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. Now, how did God love us? Well, we know that he left the comfort of heaven, took on the form of man, born in a major that we celebrated a couple weeks ago, walked upon the earth for three and a half years, cultivated his ministry, and then went to the cross to die to pay the price for our sins. He loved us sacrificially. He loved us by showing us grace. He loved us by showing mercy, not giving us what we deserved, but giving us his life as a ransom for our sins. He loved us by showing forgiveness. He loved us by showing a humble spirit. He loved us with perseverance. In other words, if you love Jesus, you have to love the brother. Do you love others? Uh, don't be too quick to answer that. Because it will lead us to love in really three ways. Number one, by service. This was made clear in the passages because Jesus had just dropped his robe, girded himself, and began to wash the feet of the disciples. And you recall Peter. Peter was shocked at this. You know, you're the son of man. You're, God, you're not washing, no, no, you're not washing my feet. I should be washing yours. And you remember what Jesus said to him? He said, 
Unless I wash your feet, Peter, you have nothing to do with me. And he taught them that in service to God was the focus that he wanted their hearts. And you and I are to have that same spirit. John 13, verses 13 through 15. You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. So when you and I begin to ask ourselves, do I love God? Well, you can tell real quick by who you serve. Does God have my everyday life to serve him wherever he calls me to serve? Do I have an active ministry where I give my heart and soul to it to help people just as Jesus instructed me to do? So service is a very key here. Number two, sacrifice. Sacrifice. This means that we do not serve only when it's convenient. It means that we are called to serve at our cost. Sometimes God will call you to plug into someone's life when it's the least convenient. But God is impressing upon your heart to be an extension of him here on earth. You know that old cliche that says that to many people, you're the only gospel they'll ever read. So what is the gospel according to you? How we conduct our lives, how we live, who we put first, what's most important to us, where do I spend my time? These are all the things that come into play to a surrendered Christian who truly loves God. And then number three, sharing. Sharing of ourselves. On the one hand, and sharing the gospel, one hand sharing ourselves, and then on the other hand sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mark 16, verse 15 says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Matthew 28, 19 through 20, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You see, this is the great work that Jesus talked about. This is the great work. When we go in and teach others the very commandments that he has taught us, we multiply ourselves. Sometimes it's to people we love and care for, and sometimes it's to people we're not real wild about. But this is what he has called us to do. And if you and I can stay beyond the shadow of a doubt that I love him with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul, then I am willing to give up myself in order to further the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whatever it costs, wherever it takes me, I'm willing to go. That's the great message he's pushing. Now, if we love others, then we know that Jesus truly loves us. 1 John chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death unto life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. 
So one of the keys to you and I knowing about our walk with Christ is the compassion in the heart we have for others. I mean, it's very clear here. We're not talking about some, oh, I, you know, I, I'm a Christian, so I love everybody. No, no. We're talking about somebody who's willing to get right down in the dirt with somebody if they have to. Someone who's willing to just get right down and give it all up for someone else. That's why in Acts chapter 2, in the churches, when they began to form and everything, when money was needed, people thought nothing of going selling property or what they had so they could give all the money to the poor. I mean, the common love that they had for one another was truly spirit-led. But in today's society, how, much of us, how many of us would be willing to just give up something in order to meet someone's need? Yet that is the joy of Christ. That is the message that he, that he is saying. And that's why he said in the midst of all of this to the disciples, look, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Well, I'm good with that when the commandments are what I like to handle. But what if the Spirit instructs you to give up something for someone else? That's when you and I begin to understand what our love really is. And all of us have people we love, whether it's a spouse or or a girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever. And man, we just, we just want to spend time with them. We want to do things for them. We want to see them happy. We want to serve them. And that's really what it is with Christ. That deep desire that's willing to just spend time and be with him and give him everything we can. About that person who gets under your skin. What, what, what do you do about that person? Do you love them? You see, one of the great aspects of the exchange life is that you give up to the Spirit. You know, we've said this on and off weeks and weeks and weeks now. But if we're honest with ourselves, there are some aspects of this Christian life we just can't do. We just can't do it. My pers- either my personality gets in the way or some of my preconceived notions get in the way. Or maybe I'm just hard-headed. I need the Spirit to open me up and to live through me and to love through me. I mean, there's been people in my life that I've struggled with that I just, oh, man, they're just hard to be around. But I can tell you, once surrendered to Christ, I enjoy their company. Because what God does is he opens up your heart and mind to see what he wants you to see. And all those little things that affect you externally go away, and the true spirit is there. And then the spirit changes your spirit to follow along in suit, to be obedient, and to trust him every step of the way. So what we then find out then is that Jesus loves me. And at this point, we must return to the phrase with which our text began. If you love me. If you love me. Do we? Do I really love Jesus? Do I truly love him to the point where whatever it is that's holding me back, I can turn from and walk away? Do I truly love Christ? so much that that nagging thing that holds my life back 
I can turn and walk away from. That's when you begin to know you love Christ. When everything this world has to offer, you consider as refuge for the excellency of Christ. And I think it's by divine design that in the midst of these verses, one positive thing after another, one exciting thing after another, he inserts these nine words and he says, but if you love me, you will keep my commandments. This isn't a legalistic statement saying that, oh, in order to be good, I got to do this and this. Because he starts it by saying, if you love me. In other words, don't do it to please me. Do it because you love me. And what I would say to you folks is, if you don't love God, then I would call upon him to change your heart. Whether you're a Christian or not a Christian. If you're not a Christian, then this doesn't make any sense to you because you need to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But if you are a child of God and you do know him as your Savior, you may have to get on your knees and say, God, I don't love you like you. And right now, I'm surrendering to you. Teach me to love you. Teach me to love you. You see, there, there's only one way in which you will come to love God. And that's by coming to know and believe in his love for you. Love begets love. It becomes almost commonplace when we talk about Christ. We're coming to the table this morning. We do this once a month. We break bread, which is the symbol of his body broken. We take the cup, which is the symbol of his bloodshed. But do we really allow the reality of that love to just meditate in us? To infuse our mind and our heart? What I would like you to do this morning is as we go to the table, I want you to now ask him before you take this, God, do I really love you? Are you the most important thing in my life? And if not, show me how to love you. Show me whatever is in me that's hindering me so that I may walk with you every step of the way. Meditate on that as the men come to prepare. Ask God to honestly deal with your heart right now. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful that you loved us. Lord, as we learn to love you more, may it be the echo of our heart today 
to learn to trust you more, to love you more, to be more obedient, not for our sakes, but for your sake, that we might bring honor and glory to you, our Heavenly Father. We thank you for what you've done for us. We're reminded now of that sacrifice on the cross of Calvary that secured our eternity with you. I pray, Lord, that you would just humble us and give us an obedient spirit that in the end of our days, we can look and know that we brought honor and glory to you. And all God's people said, just a quick reminder to small group leaders of our brief meeting down here in the front. Be about meet in about five minutes.